This is the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. I'm going to zap her again. Charge up the paddles. Come on, let's go, let's go. Sorry, Doctor. Hold the compressions. Clear. Straight line. Good evening and welcome to Rock and Roll Autopsy. We are the Forensic Files on your radio dial. My name is Scott, and have we got a great show for you tonight? No, we don't. Damn it. The phone is ringing again. It's the request line. All right, let's pick it up. WRNRA, East of the Rockies. Hey, breather, what's going on, man? You were in Cleveland and went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? That's cool, man. I hope you enjoyed your visit. We should have hooked up. You were in our neck of the woods. What do you mean you could tell you were close because you could smell the stench of bad takes and amateur podcasting? Listen, you called the request line. Is there a song you'd like us to perform an autopsy on? Smack my bitch up by the prodigy? You got it. All right, buckle up, gang. The subject of our rock and roll autopsy tonight will be Smack My Bitch Up by Electro Punkers, the prodigy. We'll get the show started after these very important messages from our sponsors. What's up, music nerds? Are you tired of wading through a sea of mediocre music, desperately seeking to find a glimmer of greatness? You're in luck. My name is Mark, and I am the host of the podcast, Songs That Don't Suck. Each week, I scour the depths of new music playlists to unearth hidden gems that defy the trends and deliver pure sonic bliss. No matter the genre, if it doesn't suck, it's on my radar. So find us on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe today. And as always, keep searching for and listening to Songs That Don't Suck. Breaking news! What is this garbage you're watching? I want to watch the news. This is the news. All right, gang, we've got our intrepid rock and roll beat reporter on the line, seven-time Silver Sow Award winner, Rico Gnu. How the fuck are you? No, it's been a g- g- long time, man. It feels like holy shit. I'm good, g- great. How are you? It's good, g- good to be back. It is good to be back. For those of you who don't know, we uh, <clears throat> kind of took a little break and and pre-recorded like three or four episodes to like lay out a month in advance. We haven't done this in like three weeks. Uh, I, I I hope that I still remember what to do. We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. So, um, would you like to? I'm, I'm. This is this is a this first one is a little interactive. Um, would you like to fill in our dear listener about about um, 
our good friend um, that previously used to run um, Rolling Stone magazine. Oh, God. You know what? I peeped your show notes to get some kind of insight into what news items you decided to uh, regale us with tonight. And I thought, oh, great. Right out of the box, he's got me dealing with like racism and misogyny. This will be a hilarious episode. Can't wait. That's just how white folks will do you. Um, yeah, I can try to lay it out. How do you say the guy's name? Jan I'm gonna, Werner? I'm going to say ja Jan Wenner. Okay. Venner is he like what country is he from anybody I, know i have no idea good good anyway, enough whatever though. jan Wenner. i'll try to get through this really quick so i can turn yeah the just back, a quick like two sentences turn the news back over to my newsman here um so this dude like founded rolling stone magazine also founded the rock and roll hall of fame puts a book out called the masters and the masters in his book are surprise surprise Seven boomer white guys, Bob Dylan, Pete Townsend, Jerry Garcia, Bruce Springsteen, John Lennon, yada, yada, yada. And so the person he's out promoting the book, he's doing interviews and the person giving the interview said, hey, couldn't help but to notice this book on the masters of rock and roll is seven middle-aged white dudes. Uh, couldn't find any room for women or African-Americans in the history of rock and roll. Couldn't find any masters other than seven middle-aged white dude. And Jan, our friend from Rolling Stone slash the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, steps in his own dog shit and says, and I'm paraphrasing, and these are his words, not mine, that they just simply weren't articulate enough. And yeah. that they just weren't in his zeitgeist or some, and then it just he just then steps in his own shit, and it's doubles amazing. down on his own ridiculous comments. Yeah, yes, doubles down on it whenever the interviewer tries to give him an out, and he says, "I'm too old to fucking care." The guy's like seventy-seven. Uh, take it from there, Rico. Sad. So, so guess who? And you peeped, so you know. Guess who piped in on this? Our good friend Uncle Ted. Ted Nugent piped in on of all people Ted Nugent piped in on this um and you you may be you may be surprised to hear what he said um he he spoke up against him of course you know there he might have an axe to grind because before I get to what Ted Nugent said he might have an axe to grind because he kind of sort of blames this Jan Weiner for keeping him out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So that kind of taints his argument a little bit. But uh, uh, he, he said, uh, I'm merely a humble servant of evidence, truth, logic, and common sense. Um, he He's uh, <laughs> completely, yeah, Ted Nugent, right? Um, um uh, and Jan Wenner created Rolling Stone magazine to celebrate the greatest soundtrack in the history of the world as created by Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley, and Little Richard, an extension of black artists who had such an emotional dream of freedom and defend the shackles of uh, defied the shackles of slavery and created this soulful, emotional, powerful, defiant, uppity, spirited, work ethic-oriented soundtrack of blues, gospel, rhythm and blues, and then rock and roll. Um, so he essentially is speaking up for the downtrodden, for the, for the, uh, for for the you know black folks who really invented rock and roll, in my opinion, with with uh, with um, you know the blues and and everything. We've talked about this a million times, but um, 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> elsewhere in the conversation, Nugent observed that Winter was removed from the Rock Hall board because of racist and misogynistic attacks that said that black and female artists are not articulate enough to reference in his book about rock and roll history, which is so clearly biased and so clearly racist and so clearly misogynistic. Ted Nugent calling somebody else out for being misogynistic. And those are the things that he was always accused me of. Really? Shall we go back? Uh, Uncle Ted is accusing this guy of being misogynistic. Man, do do you have any, do you have an opinion on that at all? I mean, I would like to think that he really is speaking up for women and black artists, but for him to come out then and say that this guy's being misogynistic after some of the shit that he's written and some of the stuff that he is, that is documented that he's been involved in in the past. I don't know, dude. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to listen. I'll throw him a bone. Not going to doubt his sincerity here. It probably does though stem from the fact that he's got an ax to grind about. He wants to be in the rock and roll hall of fame. He wants his career to be recognized and his place in music history to be value validated by a respected institution. I'm doing air quotes. Um, this is not unusual. I mean, Rolling Stone magazine, if ever there was an elitist, stodgy kind of, you know, sanctimonious publication, it's Rolling Stone magazine. These guys have been the gatekeepers forever. And that unfortunately is imbued into our own rock and roll hall of fame because it's directly related to and run by the founders of Rolling Stone magazine. And a lot of bands and artists who have been left on the outs feel like it's from decades of acrimony between their bands and Rolling Stone. Lou Graham from Foreigner insists that Foreigner is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because Foreigner has never played nice with Rolling Stone magazine. Rolling Stone was late on punk. They were late on rap. They missed the boat on so many bands when they were relevant, like Led Zeppelin, ACDC, Metallica, Rush. They've just been asleep at the wheel. Other publications like Spin Magazine came along and were not asleep at the wheel and just scooped up the young readers that should have been, you know, that Rolling Stone would have loved to have because they were hip to what was going on and relevant, whereas Rolling Stone has remained kind of this stodgy, you know, sanctimonious boomer publication. And so I look at all of this, Rico, as potentially being a good thing to flush this guy out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, hopefully get some new blood in there, and hopefully it helps them um, helps them uh, properly acknowledge artists that deserve recognition. I will say, in spite of the fact that this guy is on the board, I think the Rock Hall has done a pretty good job of diversifying and being inclusive of its nominees and inductees, even so much so that they've inducted people who aren't even rock and roll in the interest (laughs) of being inclusive. So, yeah. So hopefully, yeah, agreed. I agree totally. Hopefully by, by, you know, exiting that dude from the equation, you know, the rock hall and maybe even Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone can maybe kind of evolve a little bit, um, come down from their mountain a little bit, and the rock hall could maybe regain a little bit of their credibility that that they started out with. And and they're like to your point, they're attempting at least. But uh I know that there's still a lot of people that have a problem with with uh you know the bands that they're 
putting in, the band that they're leaving out. Um, so hopefully this is a step in the right direction. So. I mean, I, I think the best like fix to any of this is sunlight is the best disinfectant. And you just be transparent. If Jan wanted to put this book out and he looked at decades of interviews that he's done and he truly believed that the seven best in interviews were these seven white boomer rockers, then okay, dude. But then like put in your prologue of your book, be like, you know what? I fully acknowledge the contributions of African-Americans and women, but I'm a middle-aged old white dude. And I just related to these white fuckers better. And I'm just going to own it. And here they are. And you know what I mean? It's like, at the end of the day, the guy can write or put out whatever the fuck book he wants. It's just, you know, don't be a dick about it, you know? Well, that's because he, he, like we were saying before, like these fucks at Rolling Stone, they're so steeped in their own Kool-Aid that they they use words like these artists aren't articulate enough. That's like that's like they right. sound like grad school professors are really steeped in their own Kool-Aid. That's and, that's and, you nailed it, and that's how they view this stuff, and that's how Rolling Stone sees itself as a magazine. Is it see? It's like the aristocracy of rock and roll, you know. Yeah totally totally but anyway so that's that uh i i just it, it, this was a double i mean i i wanted to talk about our friend jan in, like officially and also i thought it was ironic that uncle ted you know commented as well so um have you ever heard of the band i haven't um but i'm gonna check them out i uh the band tomb mold not until i read your show notes okay um have you now you have to look at the did you look at the article did you look at the pictures that i'm gonna talk about i did i'm familiar with the handlebar mustaches okay so this band called tomb mold they are a death metal band um we we've talked i think we did talk about death metal um i remember i don't remember the band but they put out a song that's like an hour and a half long or something. And, and i listened to the whole thing and i actually liked it a lot actually I, I i was pretty pretty impressed by it but this magazine is decibel magazine um by the way once again uh i i frequent loudwire for my information because why wouldn't i they have everything so um this was this was written by uh shoulders again they have the same people writing everything so anyway so so they put this band they did an article about the band called two mold and they put them on the cover of the magazine and in the cover, they did they, they they have two pictures picture of them on the cover and then in the article there's a picture of them on the cover they're just wearing some fucking t-shirts and shorts um and then in the there's another picture of them in in somebody brought up like deadwood they're like wearing these they look like like um like peaky blinders kind of you know clothes they, they kind of look like period clothing like they're having fun with it right well it turns out scott that their own fan base is hammering them for not looking death metal enough especially on the cover of the magazine <laughs> like somebody says here um, what are you? The, these guys look like they're they want to lecture me on Chainlink or some other type of cryptocurrency. Like I I, I find this and I, I have and I have a question for you about this. I find it amazing that their own fan base is hammering them for not looking death metal enough. Um, but my question to you is, does that matter? 
should you look like the genre of music that you're playing doesn't matter yes or no i really want to hear your answer on this well i i don't think it matters um okay let's okay yes i do think it matters i think i think i want to have it both ways i think that if you're a band that wants to have some theatrics to your show and wants to have a look then you are certainly entitled to do that and you are and as a concert goer i might find it engaging and fun and it might you know catch my imagination does that then have to repeat itself on magazine covers and in every photo shoot and interview and like youtube appearance that you do i don't know i guess that depends on how the band wants to control their identity but i think so i think it's totally fine and i think it's a way some bands do it to set themselves apart but the larger issue to me here is is that you would think with like death or black metal, you would think, well, these are people who enjoy really extreme music. And so they must be extremely open-minded, right? No, you will find no more um, dedicated gatekeepers than in the heavy metal and especially like the black metal death metal realm and so the fact that these guys weren't in full corpse paint it's like they expect them to go to the dentist in full corpse paint it's like i know you know it's ridiculous right but so yeah so there is i can totally see where people who love that music would be like oh you're selling out you did a magazine cover like you know in shorts with your mustache and you know you didn't have the corpse paint on it's it's ridiculous <laughs> well see what the problem is is we've got like fucking mudvane and slipknot and sleep token and yeah. ghost and all yeah. of these bands now that wear masks and the like kiss started this but then kiss took off the makeup and they went like a really long time and now they put the makeup on as a nostalgia thing um but so they're kind of like they're a part of this discussion but not really but they are at the same time so but you've got all of these current rock bands metal bands that i mentioned that have now set the bar that and sleep token came in and just made everybody double down on it um with the hidden identities thing and you don't know who they are although they've the singer's been identified already i think but um so now everybody thinks that that's the way you're supposed to do it. And you've got like that Polish band Batushka that has like the monk outfits and they come out on the dais with this like book and the candles and shit. And, 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 and by the way, I've said this before, fucking Batushka scares the shit out of me. Um, I've, I've listened to them a few times and I, and I literally, they frighten me. But so, so that's what we have here. Like you have these bands that have established this now. And now these poor guys that are just trying to make a living as a as a as a death metal band are getting hammered by their own fan base because they just want to wear some fucking shorts on the cover. They just want to be comfortable. They just want they don't they don't want to do all the costume shit. And I think that's okay. Like if you want to do it, cool, man. If you want to yes. hide your identity, if you want to like call yourself Papa Emeritus or whatever the hell he calls himself, cool, man. <laughs> That's that's awesome, but if these guys don't want to do it, then you shouldn't hammer them for it. That's ridiculous. Like I can see if you've got like another genre or some kind of other scenario that are kind of calling these guys out a little bit. Like, hey man, you guys play death metal. You don't fucking look like a death metal band. Okay, fine, I can see that, but it's their own fans that are doing it. That's what yeah. makes this so wild. 
I, I don't get it. Yeah, the fans are like super hardcore gatekeepers. They themselves have uniforms. They have to wear like the battle vests and the chain wallets and the whole deal. I mean, it's like it's it's a uniform. I wore that uniform for a long time when I was a young metalhead. And then I and it's, you know, I grew up a little bit, you know, but you, I don't know, man. It's I can remember thinking that way as a young person who was a young metalhead. I would think, oh, poser, you know, that kind of thing. I used to kind of, but I think at some point you just, you know, people, these guys just wanted to be their authentic selves on the cover right. of the magazine. They didn't want to be, it doesn't mean their music is any less evil or deathy. It's okay. I mean, are they supposed to dress like undertakers or something? I mean, what does a death metal band dress like? All the time. They're supposed to go in like full corpse paint to the mall. Okay. You know? They're like at Claire's boutique getting their nose like, pierced. Dye oh. their hair like dye their hair greasy jet black, right? And wear like these top hats with like the the like the, the really loose bow tie like black bow ties with the frilly shirts, like Is that like their is that their look? Is that what they do? And uh, I, I I have no idea, but I mean I imagine <sighs> not because if you look at these guys, like the one guy on the right looks like looks like a math major. <laughs> like like he look he, he looks like he's like a math major in college like he doesn't they, these guys don't even really look like the music that they apparently are playing um like okay i get it like to your point i wore flannel in the 90s okay and i had a pair of doc martens along with my flannel in the 90s but i didn't i didn't i didn't hammer somebody because they didn't it's because they didn't wear flannel or be, it didn't represent the genre properly whatever i just think it's silly it is funny i don't know man all those kind of like walls are coming down i think all those walls need to come down because rock music needs all hands on deck to uh survive here so we can't we, we can't certainly be beating one another up you know what i mean we've got to kind of all be on the same team right. here, pulling in right. the same direction exactly not divide let's get together right anyway enough of that we're gonna take a quick break we come back we're gonna talk about one of the pioneers of electronic music dude so stick around looking for a good rock and roll book do you watch a ton of rock and roll documentaries like I do? Well, that's why I started the Rock Talk Studio podcast to be the place to go for previews, reviews, and recommendations of rock and roll books, documentaries, and movies. Every first Tuesday of the month, the Rock Talk Studio gets you caught up on all the latest and points out where to go for the good stuff. Give me 20 minutes and I'll get you caught up on the world of rock and roll books, docs, and movies from every possible angle and leave you with a no doubt decision on where to spend your time and money fan or just casual fan or maybe you're on the fence and just looking for something new to check out either way i got you covered recently on the show i've talked about books and documentaries from everyone and everything from david bowie randy rhodes and the allman brothers to the abbey road studios cheap trick stevie ray vaughn little richard and more join me big rick every tuesday of the month as i host the rock talk studio podcast the ultimate review of rock and roll books documentaries and movies we are gathered here to remember rock and roll. Rock was born the rambunctious son of country western and blues. In the year of our Lord, 1955, on this day, the birth of rock and roll, gifted under the world a gyrating pelvis, a throbbing beat, and a pulsating rhythm, 
a sound so infectious and rollicking that it would endow previously scrupulous young minds with identity, individualism, and purpose, thus setting forth a multi-generational pursuit of all that is loud, debaucherous, and unholy. But, sadly, like all earthly endeavors, rock too must perish. Oh, we mourn the loss of rock and roll, with its ridiculously old standard bearers still on tour and charging ungodly amounts of mad jack to witness their long past the sell-by date asses on stage, and with its chauvinism, misogyny, and whiteness no longer aligning with modern sensibilities, and with its aging, fist-shaking fan base kicking every would-be rocker off their proverbial lawn, rock has indeed passed into the celestial void. May rock rest in peace in eternal cacophonous slumber. Amen. Thank you for that, Scott. You are listening to the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. The Autopsy Report. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Uh, thanks for tuning in to listen to us. Really appreciate it. Um, tonight, dude, this is going to be an interesting one. We're going to be talking about the prodigy, dude. Smack my bitch up off of the album. Ooh, this is a big one, dude. The fat of the land. Um, this album has sold 10, more than 10 million. This album is ridiculously popular. 10 million copies, dude. Um, this, this was, uh, released in 97. Uh, the label is XL Maverick and Sony. Um, songwriters are uh, Liam Howlett, Cedric Miller, Trevor Randolph, Maurice Smith, Keith Thornton, producer Liam Howlett. Smack my fucking bitch up, Scott. Did this song kill rock or what? We're going to figure this out. Thank you very much, Rico. It's Rock and Roll Autopsy. Like you said, the track, the controversial. Yeah. Smack my bitch up. Is it Prodigy or The Prodigy? It's The Prodigy. And for the longest time, I thought that The Prodigy was that one dude with the crazy hair, right? Right. It's not, though. The Prodigy is a concept like gorillas. Yeah, that that would be a good comparison. The gorillas are not just that one dude. That one dude formed gorillas and they have a lot of the same people prodigy is this kind of the same thing they have a core but it's kind of like a more of a concept than an actual group of people so i thought that was kind of interesting you of course are referring to the late keith flint who i guess one would say at least for the 90s era of the band and specifically this song would be i would go as far as to say the face of the band i would agree with that so the track smack my bitch up the album the fat of the land is that what it's called rico the fat of the land my man the band the prodigy so we've got this little thing that we like to refer to as our proprietary science that we use to determine if certain songs killed 
rock and roll. Rico, is this something that children should try at home? No. So like this one time I thought that uh, for, for a long time, like uh, I would use like an electric razor for a little bit. And I did like the disposables and like I did the the kind where you have the little stem part and then you would buy the refill blade parts. That's like the Mach three. That's what I'm using right now. Mm -hmm. But I thought that I was going to be a man, Scott. I was thought I was going to be a manly man and go with the safety razor, you know, where you screw the bottom and the little top opens up and you put the double blade in there. And then you like, you get like this cool, like with the brush and like the shaving, they don't call it shaving cream. They, they have some fancy name for it. So I'm like, I'm going to be a man dude. And I'm going to use a safety razor. Let me tell you something. When I was done, I looked like I was in a fucking saw movie. (laughs) So for any of you out, I thought it was a cool idea. I thought I was going to be manly, but I wound up hacking the fuck out of my face and it was miserable. So for any of you out there that think you want to do this, you're you're afterwards, you're going to look like you were in a saw movie. So just leave it to us. We'll take care of it for you. Just leave tune it. In and enjoy. Yeah. Leave it to the pros, man. Listen, I, I got it. You, you opened the door for a quick digression. So I got to walk right through it. You can't tell because I've got uh, headphones on because I'm a professional, <laughs> but in this ear right here, see where I'm pointing. Yeah. yeah. There's a giant bandaid on that ear. Ooh, really? It, it's, and I just changed it before the show I took it off when I showered and the damn thing started bleeding again. What'd you I, I, okay. I am bald. And so I shave my head. Okay, yeah. because I have terrible uh, male pattern baldness, so I just shave. Are you like like it's been such a long time since you started shaving your head? Are you actually like chrome on top, or I think you've got some stuff up there, don't you? Well, I would have if I let my hair grow out. I would have like the flesh yamaka in the back, you know, the big <laughs> bald spot, and then I would have my hairline would be really high. It would start like way up here. Okay, got so it. So I would have like basically like a strip of hair on the top and then the big bald circle in the back. And then <laughs> and then I would have like the horseshoe. You know what I mean? Okay. So it'd be super spotty. Boy, I remember in the day you had like the long, like thick head of hair, man. That's I, like I when know, I first right? met you, like you had the big long Dave Mustaine head of hair. I know I can't grow hair anymore. Um, but to make right. a long anyway, story boring. Yeah. My ears are getting hairier while I can't grow hair on my head, my ears. And if I catch them in the right light, like if I'm in like a, like a, like a bathroom in like an office building, like at work with fluorescent lighting, I see all the hair in my ears. So I've got all these gadgets for like grooming that I'm constantly like trying to weed whack down all this ear hair. It's Mm -hmm. ridiculous. The manscaping is just ridiculous. It's insanity. The other day I'm in the shower and I'm shaving my head and I'm like, I see the hair I'm holding the mirror and I'm shaving my head in the shower and I see the hair and I'm like, fuck it. I'll just use the razor. Ooh. And I just, my ear, there was so much blood. (laughs) (laughs) I got it on the rug when I got out of the bathroom tub. You really thought you were going to like, you thought you were going to run that razor across your ear and and you weren't going to hack the fuck out of yourself. I did. Holy mackerel. Listen, you're, you can't always be there for me, apparently, to like tell me, Scott, could you imagine I'm like naked in a shower and you're could standing you? next to me? <laughs> Don't do it, Scott. I, I would do it. I would help you out. <laughs> Thank you, you. Here, here. 
<laughs> I, I too have the ear hair problem because I too am not 25 years old anymore. So, but instead of trying to shave my ear, this is more arduous and sometimes, but I pluck my ear hairs out with tweezers. Oh yeah. But dude, it's great, man. It lasts for a long time. There's no stubble. Um, it's fucking cool, dude. It's just kind of like tricky and it hurts because you know, it, 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 it hurt, it hurts, but it's, it's, it's good pain though. It's kind of like, you know, not saw, but more like Hellraiser. Like it's like you enjoy the pain. It's, it's, it's worth it. Like you come out of the other side, like thanking yourself for doing it because you've got nice smooth ears. There's no chunks removed, removed from a blade. So yeah. just Maybe you want to try some tweezers next time. Maybe think of that next time. Well, listen, well, back in the 90s, before our ears were full of old man hair, right? we could hear the prodigy. We could. The song Smack My Bitch Up, the album The Fat of the Land, all the way back to what? 1997. We've got the prodigy. We've got proprietary science. And within that proprietary science exists five categories and i'm going to read them off a sheet of paper because it's been a couple weeks and i'm old gratuitous boomerism excessive misogyny wanton whiteness malignant machismo and culture vulturism rico get the hair out of your ears it's time for the prodigy it's time for some electro punk some alternative dance some breakbeat hardcore some electronic rock and roll are you ready sir Fucking ready, man. Category one, gratuitous boomerism. Smack my bitch up. How do you score? Yeah, dude. So I again, like I said before, this whole this whole autopsy is gonna be interesting, but um gratuitous boomerism. Is there anything about this song that's like man does not withstand the test of time? I mean, he, here here's the thing though. If anybody isn't doesn't know about this, and I, if if I didn't bring it up, I'm sure you would. The controversial music video that goes along with this song, MTV has banned it. It's never been shown on MTV. It's even banned on YouTube, Scott, because I looked for it. It's banned on YouTube also, wow. although somebody has made a remake of it and probably altered it enough to where you could show it. But for anybody who's not familiar with the video, um, I'll give you a quick rundown. It, it's it's shot in first person and it starts off. I'm not going to go through all the details, but guy get th- we can only assume it's a guy. Um, guy gets out of the shower, um, gets dressed, shaves his face, um, drinks a beer, I think, uh, cook, uh, chops up a couple lines of coke and then goes out and it's it's him like um sexually assaulting um girls in first person in this music video and it was so controversial that the music video was banned and it like i said it is also banned on youtube so you might find that remake and um but the original video i did find like a one minute clip of the original video but it cuts off before anything controversial is shown they just showed the beginning part so i suppose if you lump in the music video with the song, I suppose you could score this, but it's art, dude. I can't penalize them for art. It's not like they're going out and sexually assaulting people. They're not raping people in real life. It's just the art, right? Um, 
I'll give them a 0.5 just because they have a video that is still banned. Although I'm most highly against this type of censorship. Um, clearly today's society probably couldn't handle that and they would get slammed for it, but I got to give them a break and just go with a 0.5. Yeah. Well put, man. Very impressive stuff. Listen, it's, it's, this is a band of gen Xers. Um, it's at the pinnacle, in my opinion, of the Gen X era of music in the uh, mid nineties, the look of the band, the sound of the band very much fits into that post grunge era of really experimental, interesting kind of out there, challenging rock and roll, if you will. Um, gratuitous boomerism though, ultimately could a song like this exist today? And I, I, I got to agree with you. I don't see it being met with open arms today, but I do see at the end of the day, the, the lyrics, it's two fucking lines, man. I mean, <laughs> well, th and that's what, that's why I didn't go a full one, because if you remove the video, right, this song would absolutely stand up right now. Absolutely. But, Not a question in my, and it would probably be popular. Yeah, but I don't know if anybody's getting away with the word, the lyrics smack my bitch up today. You know, I just don't know if that and even if it's talking about heroin or getting hyped for a show or whatever else these guys wanted to try to frame it as, um, you know, I don't know if that's going to fly today at all. I'm struggling with this one a little bit. I know um, it's a little tricky. It's a little tricky. I love what you said about the art side, though. Doing an artsy kind of indie looking video that that is challenging to the viewer and is, you know, I guess offensive, but in kind of like an interesting way. Um, I'm all for that kind of stuff. And that was kind of like what a lot of indie movies were in the 90s, you know, in a big, big way. The indie movie thing was a big deal in the 90s. And a lot of people did videos that pushed the envelope a little bit. It's It, it was kind of common. It was kind of part of the time. Um, am I Am I stalling? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think you framed it nicely. I had a zero marked down here, but I'm going to go yeah. with the point five. This is like it's this is like 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 hammering this song is and or hammering that video is is like hammering. It's like hammering fucking saw the movie saw because it's like torturing and killing people or it's like it's like it's just it doesn't make sense, but I get it. So that's why I kind of met in the middle a little bit. Well, I mean, music, rock music and challenging, you know, kind of aggressive in your face imagery have always gone together like Oreo cookies and milk, you know, so mm, I'm Oreo all for cookies. it myself, but oh, come on. I got to mention food and then you totally get derailed. Dude, our Oreo is the king of cookies. I'm trying to make a point and I used a food analogy and you've completely gone off the rails. Now we're going to sidebar into Oreo talk. For the record, before we engage in a 20-minute uh, digression on Oreos, <laughs> I scored that a 0.5. Are Oreos, the? would you say, the perfect cookie? The, the, the king of cookies. Well, I think you could make that argument, but I'll be honest with you. I'm a big... Um, I'm a big peanut butter. I'm peanut butter anything, but I do love mm. a soft peanut butter cookie. Yeah. I'll eat the hell out of like an oatmeal cookie and just a, just a fresh baked chocolate chip, 
But as far as a cookie in the aisle of a grocery store, yes, that's yes, maybe that's the way we put it. The the king of store bought cookies. I tell you, with a glass of milk, you can't go wrong with an Oreo. True that. See, that wasn't that didn't take very long. I'll smack the shit out of that Oreo. <laughs> you ever just beat the fuck out of a package of Oreos? Fuck yeah, dude. Like you rip that bitch open. Ooh, is that allowed? Can I say that? No, you can't. Oh. No, you can't. Rip that, rip that mother open. Can you say do you, that? Do you eat the cream first? Um, You know, Scott, there's many ways you could go about this, but no, I just, just the whole thing. I have, I have in the past. How about this? I have taken the Oreo apart, take out the cream, discard the cream, <laughs> discard the cream. Why? Are you ready? No, listen. All right. You replace the cream with peanut butter. Nice. And then you make an Oreo with real peanut butter, not the flavored cream, the peanut butter flavored cream, but nice. with real peanut butter inside. But what now are you doing talking. with the cream? Ah, get rid of it. What? It's just processed sugar, dude. You mean in some landfill, there's like little discs of Oreo cookie cream <laughs> that you've been throwing out that I've that I've discarded and replaced with real peanut butter. That's uh, right. You should be sent to prison. All I right. Category two, excessive misogyny. Enrico, I have the lyrics available if you need me to read them. Do we have enough time to, to go through all of them? I'll try to get through it. Um, all right. Go, all right. Go ahead. Like, like, like this. Change my pitch up, smack my bitch up. Change my pitch up, smack my bitch up like this. Change my pitch up, smack my bitch up. Change my pitch up, smack my bitch up. Like, like this, like this, like this. Smack my bitch up, like this, like this. Smack my bitch up, like this, like this. Change my pitch up, smack my bitch up. Change my pitch up, smack my bitch up like this. You know, your your little spoken word portion of the autopsy is always my favorite part. That's what I look forward to the most. It makes it makes me happy. Um yeah, excessive misogyny. Um, I, I suppose well well scott um yes uh unfortunately um but you know they didn't write this lyric it was lifted from another from a rap song by the ultra magnetic mcs called give the drummer some and uh the line is actually like smack my bitch up like a pimp is actually the line um which which in the grand scheme of like gangster rap of the late eighties, early nineties is pretty tame actually. Um, yeah. However, I, I suppose again, man, if you want to fuck it, dude, like if you take it again, I uh, we're, we're separating the video. Now, now we're taking the video away for right now. This is strictly misogyny. Yeah. The video. Sure. Sure. I gotta. I can't do it. If, I can't do a full one because the lyrics are just smack my bitch up. I can't give it a full one, but I gotta give it a half. I gotta give it. A, I, I want to give it a zero. I can't though. I gotta give it a half, dude. That was a really lame response, but 
half point. So Wikipedia um, yeah. talks about the controversy surrounding the lyrics. Um, mm-hmm. The song's lyrics, often held as misogynistic, were defended by the band, saying the lyrics were misinterpreted, and the song actually meant doing anything intensely. Um, the ITV chart show refused to display the name of the song when the video was played during one of its episodes. It was kind of funny. It's like you don't put the name up, but you play the song. Like, like you can't tell what, <laughs> what they're saying in it. Of course, the video drew criticism from the National Organization for Women, um, saying it, it accusing it of encouraging violence against women. So the video, the song, all attracting allegations of misogyny. Um, yeah. Now, so, what, what reinforces their argument is the line that says, change my pitch up. It's kind of like turned up, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that is another way of saying do something in an intense way. And so you could say that, you know, change my pitch up, smack my bitch up are two slang versions of exactly what they're talking about. So from that perspective, the first line reinforces their argument about the second line. Matter yeah. of point. I actually think of it like baseball. You played college baseball. What yeah. what do you do when you change your pitch up in in playing baseball, right? So you're either throwing harder or or changing speed, you know, maybe That's um, correct. That's exactly it. So I think of it as like uh, you know, if you're talking if the song's about throwing punches and you're literally changing your pitch up, you know, maybe you're throwing a high heater at that point. I know mm-hmm. it's a lame baseball analogy, but actually when I when it's I good one, actually. hear the lyrics, it used to make me think of baseball, which I'm sure these guys are not thinking of, but <laughs> um, so excessive misogyny. I I don't really know what the meaning of the song is, but I can remember hearing it in the nineties in Annabelle's when I was full of 50 mm-hmm. cent Amber Bach and <laughs> I would be, and it, to me, it was very at, at that age, I thought, yeah, this is a song about hitting women. And that was kind of how I interpreted it. I don't think, um, heroin or any of that ever came to mind, but, um, yeah. so I'm going to go ahead and score at a point. No, I'm going to score it a full. One. You're going to do full. Okay. I am going to do a full. Understandable. I mean, it, that's totally legit to go that route. Let's move on. Category three wanton whiteness. Smack my bitch up. Rico, how do you score? Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're a group of dudes from, uh, Essex, I believe, in the UK. Um, so you've got some some um, cracker white dudes from the UK doing electronic music, what we now call EDM, Scott. Um, and and uh, so there's nothing whiter than white dudes doing EDM. Um, although, <laughs> although um, there is, you know, with with the the with you factor in the danceability, um, the the vibe the feel the the all of that the energy um wow see this is trickier than i thought it was going to be i thought this was going to be a home run but it's turning out not to be so much a home run um yeah if you look at in fact i did this if you look up like i looked up a list of like the top 12 edm artists of like 
today or whatever there's there's not one single black person in that list wow so i'm gonna go ahead and just give it the full one for wanton whiteness Man, your research, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, the amount of re- this man listened to a 60-minute death metal song. The, 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 the research that he's willing to put into and how far he goes to give you the most accurate autopsies possible, the best news reporting you can hear in the podcast world, it's amazing and, frankly, unparalleled. You, sir, deserve an... Is it Edgar or Edward... <laughs> R. Murrow. Ed- <laughs> I, I, I believe it's Edward R. Murrow. Thank you. You deserve that award. I sacrificed that one that I my, couldn't remember. Yeah, I, I sacrificed my own well-being for the good of our listeners, Scott. It's just something I feel obligated to do. Oh, it's amazing. Um, so I don't know what the hell I'm going to score this thing. I'm going to be. I wish I was smart enough to know. I know that when I think of super white rock and roll, you know, I'm thinking of Tom Petty. I might be thinking of Fog Hat. You know, I might be. <laughs> Where the hell did you pull Fog Hat out of? Oh, no. Iron Maiden? Know. Iron Maiden, right? Yes, Iron Maiden. Um, but I don't know if I'm thinking of The Prodigy because um, it is, I, I hear like a big old dance music. I hear. You know, I'm thinking of asses moving and I'm thinking of like a rave situation. Sure. Um, but I guess raves are pretty fucking white, aren't they? But um, so I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with this thing, man. I don't know. Um, See, I, I thought this, like I said, I thought this one was going to be easy, but it wasn't. It's so sampling thought- a rap artist. That's what I'm saying. That's why it's hard because they're sampling a rap artist electronic music like edm now is just like super multicultural so it's hard to score this all right when i don't know what i'm doing and i can see it both ways i split the difference and score at a 0.5 before we bore the audience any further we'll just move on next category good idea malignant machismo how do you score sir um the the, gosh which one is he uh keith Keith the Thorne? one who's passed away yeah uh, is that keith Thorne? that is keith what's his face keith the, um, the one with the crazy hair right yeah the bald, the bald guy the, with the horseshoe that he used to like color his hair and shit keith flint when you were discussing my male pattern baldness if i yeah. grew it in it would look a little bit like his he's super aggressive especially like when he was doing songs like firestarter right like yep. firestarter he was like border borderline frightening um so and they do refer to themselves as like electronic punk they actually use the the word punk to describe themselves so uh there this this is uh this 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 song is not super aggressive but that dude is frightening so i'm gonna split the difference and give it a 0.5 on this one yeah, I'm gonna give it a full one. It's a pretty, it's a pretty rowdy song. It's pretty in your face. And anytime you're just like you're literally, you've got two lyrics. You know, change my pitch up when when the main lyric and title of the song is "Smack My Bitch Up." That's got some aggression, kind of. You know, it's baked in the cake there. Right. Um, it takes <laughs> a certain cake. Nice. 
thank you it takes again another food would you like to discuss cake for a few minutes rico allison uh, every time i mention food it completely you've got to comment on it you're like oh wait food analogy let me get in here for a second what's your thoughts on what's your thoughts on buttercream frosting i fucking hate it i hate it oh it tastes great no you take the buttercream the, the version that's mixed with the whipped cream that version of buttercream yeah I don't, or it's I got don't the know half how. buttercream half whipped cream it's not so buttercream is super heavy duty and it's really sugary so i, I try to or cream cheese frosting you like cream cheese frosting yeah i like all of it i don't know how my wife makes it but what i'm discovering about you is that there's a landfill full of those oreo icing discs in, in addition to you're one of those guys that takes a cupcake and then just scrapes the frosting off of it and then eats the cake part, aren't you? Oh, no, sir. Oh, no, sir. No, sir. I do not. Well, what if it's buttercream? I'm the dude who takes a cupcake with the frosting on it and I will take a can of Ready Whip and put more on top of it and I will eat it that way. I don't understand where you're coming from. So you were complaining about the buttercream and now you're eating it on a cupcake. No, yeah, I don't always remove the, the icing disc from the Oreos only in the event that I want to <laughs> replace it with peanut butter. You see, most of the time I just open it and let it rip with the little icing disc inside. You see. Oh my gosh. As, you know, in the last time we talked about frosting, it was in relation to my hemorrhoid cream. <laughs> Cause you were like, <laughs> you were like, do you lather that shit up? Like you have to man. And, and then you commented that you didn't mind how your ass cheeks kind of slid together because of that. You said it was kind of, <laughs> it's kind of soothing is, is what I remember you saying. Uh, you're looking for any kind of relief. This is the oldest podcast. We we are we every week we talk about music that's that's at youngest thirty years old, <laughs> and then we go then we have digressions into Oreo cookies and cake and ear hair, I know, uh, and hemorrhoids. Like it, I, I'm, su I'm surprised. Like we haven't like if anybody sticks around to the end of these i'm really surprised because we get off topic so easily <laughs> like if i i have like the biggest case of adhd during these during these autopsies oh, it's silliness we've got that ad running on the battle of the band show and it's like i think we ought to like get an ad on me tv like after perry mason we'll sandwich an ad right between <laughs> <laughs> right between green acres and perry mason <laughs> right like right before fucking gun smoke or some shit yeah. like that. <laughs> the rock and roll autopsy <laughs> podcast where we're <laughs> old gen xers and young boomers come to reminisce about music that is uh that's on its last uh on its last leg anyway all right let's move on let's wrap this up culture of vulturism rico how do you score smack my bitch up yeah, no, this is a straight up zero. And here's why like these like they didn't they didn't invent electronic music, Scott. I would say that uh, I think it's pretty common uh, and agreed upon that. Like like you're talking like craft work back in like 1970. They really invented electronic music. And then in the 80s, you had like the art of noise. If you've ever heard of them, the art of noise are great. I listened to a lot of art of noise in the 80s. These guys didn't form until the 90s. And in the 90s, really, there, there really wasn't a lot of electronic music. We kind of regressed in a good way with regard to rock. We kind of took a step back from the over-processed 80s and kind of stripped it down. It was super garagey and, and grungy and all that kind of good stuff we've talked about a million times. But then here comes these guys 
who paved the way, Scott, for what we call modern day EDM, like without like Chemical Brothers and Diplo and Skrillex and Modest Mouse or not Modest Mouse, but uh, Dead Mouse and Marshmallow and fucking all of those guys, they would not exist had the prodigy not paved the road for them. And these guys pioneered breakbeats. Like these are like the one of the OGs of modern EDM. And so for sure, man, um, this is a straight up zero. Um, they, they, they didn't, I mean, no way. Can't yeah, I agree. Totally. This is a big fat zero for culture vulturism. Uh, do you like this music at all? Scott, I probably listen to EDM if if on a scale, like on a percentage, like probably 85% of my music listening is some form of electronic music. I listen to a lot of, I have this, 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 uh, I'm going to pimp this website. They have an app now too. It's Soma FM, S O M A F M.com. They're based out of San Francisco. They've been around since the late nineties, uh, streaming various forms of electronic music. Um, I've been listening to them since the late nineties. Um, and, and that is what I listen to the most. It's really playlist format. Um, I don't really dial up albums because that's not usually how it goes. Like sometimes I'll dial up some dead mouse or uh, I'm really big fans of Daft Punk, by the way. One of my my favorite movie soundtracks of all time is Tron Legacy, which they did the soundtrack for that movie. And it's one of my favorites. So, yeah, I listen to a fuckload of electronic music, to be honest with you. Um. Well, okay, so you like this stuff. I was listening to it, and I thought to myself, is this even appropriate for the podcast? I'm like, this really seemed to be pushing the envelope on rock, on being even rock Well, I thought music. about that. So, But it was the punk thing that pulled me back in, because you can very yeah. clearly hear in the vocal the punk thing. So, So there could be, Scott, there could be, I think we need to pull the curtain back a tad for the next 15 seconds. So... When we're doing autopsy, Scott, we're not, it doesn't always have to be a rock and roll song that killed rock. It could be some other significant song that represented something that killed rock. And in this case, this, this song represents the prodigy who really paved the way for modern day EDM. So did that contribute to the death of rock? We're, we're finding out right now. So really any song could be autopsy if it had an effect on rock and roll, right? Yeah, I think I I think I might have been the one that put this on our master list and it was just purely because I thought, oh, we might get a good discussion out of smack my bitch up. And we have. Yep. All right, let's wrap this bad boy up. So I have, let's see, I've got three points. Rico, what do you have? I've got four points. And that would give us a grand total of seven points. Close, controversial, close, band video, not quite enough to kill rock, though. You all right? I'm good, man. So the all song right. landed right where it ought to land. It's not super vanilla. Um, it is a little, little, a little bit spicy in some ways and uh came super close 
But once again, the science, dude, like we had, we didn't, we haven't done this in weeks and here we, we rip another one off and the science is just true. True as a fucking sharpened blade. You mentioned, uh, Daft Punk and the Tron soundtrack. Yep. I went with the, uh, girls. <clears throat> we went to magic kingdom over Labor Day weekend. And I rode the Tron roller coaster there. Oh, you son of a bitch. How was it? This is the best roller coaster I've ever been on in my life. Fuck yeah, dude. You rode was, the light bikes, didn't you? Yeah, you were on the bikes. And Rico, <clears throat> like, it immerses you in that whole world God of Tron. Like, yeah. you're in that world. And Rico, there's no, like, you know, big drops, like Millennium Force or anything like that. It doesn't do that. There's no, like, huge drops. But what it goes for is pure, insane speed. Oh, God damn it. And I'm so I got, jealous. I got off of that ride and I'm like, that's the best goddamn roller coaster I've ever been on in my life. And you're damn on the it. bikes. So you're yeah. like, you're like laying down in your stomach when you're on the thing. It was awesome. Man, that's amazing. So, highly that's so that. so fucking cool. Yeah, I'm a big fan of both Tron movies. They're doing a third one with Jared Leto. I hoped, I hope, 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 hope Daft Punk does this soundtrack also because the soundtrack from Tron Legacy is an absolute fucking home run. If anybody wants some well-orchestrated electronic music that has some symphony elements and really tells a story, check it out, man. So go check out some EDM, dude. You won't regret it. All right. Well, you go check out some EDM. I'm going to go trim my ear hair. It's been Rock and Roll Autopsy. Good night now. Let me tell you, so the lyrics to real rock music is nothing more than satanic cyanide. Get it out of your house, throw it out, and burn it. It has no place in the house of the righteous. Hey guys, it was like a mistake. There's no mistake anymore. Follow us on Twitter at RNR Autopsy, or you can send an email to rock and roll autopsy at gmail.com. And if we run across anything good, we'll mention it in a future episode. Thanks for listening. Later. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Before you go, if you like heavy metal and stories, then you'll love Battle of the Bands, the narrative form metal podcast that unpacks the biggest rivalries in rock and metal history. Season 1 took in Megadeth versus Metallica, and Season 2 went across the divide to explore the beef between Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. It's like Business Wars, but metal. Find Battle of the Bands wherever you listen to your podcasts or visit battleofthebandspod.com.